0: The 411 Live. Where well,
1: you can learn about issues that affect us every day.
0: State a world. 411
1: Live. Real people. Real talk.
0: Made to help people in our community in every way.
1: For your girl. Oh, one, one Where do you suspect sex trafficking is occurring? I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Now, this is a video podcast, and it's part of a series where we are delving into sex trafficking, human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking. We want to bring awareness to this and expand on the discussion about this topic. And of course, we also want to recognize the healing process from the trauma caused by sex trafficking. We have done a lot of podcasts on a lot of different topics. And I invite you to go back and look at some of the previous ones. But today, our topic is a thin line between dancing and sex trafficking. Joining me now, Bianca Williams. Bianca, thank you so much for joining us. She is an entrepreneur, and you will hear more about that eventually. And she's also the founder of a nonprofit called Mm -hmm. Cry for Help. Yes. So you're doing a lot. Yes. And you're a young woman. How old are you?
0: 28 years
1: old. You have accomplished so much more than people in their 50s and 60s in -hmm. this short amount of time. So I congratulate you for that. Thank you. But we were talking about dancing, sex trafficking. And out of all of your accomplishments, you actually know something about this. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to kind of go back and get your backstory. And let me pause right here and tell you, as you're looking and listening to this, we would love for you to drop us your comments, your suggestions, questions. We like that, and it helps us. And um, I encourage you to do that. But we have a lot of stuff to talk about, so I'm sure that you will have a lot to say. Okay, let's get into this. So I'm going to get real comfortable Mm -hmm. because fortunately, I have had a conversation with you and I know some of the things, but a lot of stuff I still don't. The backstory. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to when you were really young, growing up. Mm -hmm. We were talking about this whole idea of grooming. And I was mentioning to you that sometimes I see on social media, these young kids like Girls like six, seven, and they're twerking and doing their dancing and stuff like that. You said that's grooming. Yes. You went through that.
0: Yes. Growing up, I remember being like in family members' houses around holidays or just like a random day. And they'd be playing loud music, maybe drinking and smoking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody would be in there dancing. And here I come. And I'm like, well, y'all dancing. I want to dance. It looked right. like it was fun. They would never say, like, Bianca, go in the room with the kids or go do something else. What I would do is I want to dance, too. So I started practicing the dances that they was doing, practicing the moves. And then I got seven, eight, nine years old. I started doing them same moves and even better than, you know, the older people that was doing them. And then from there, I'm teaching them how to dance. Oh, wow. And it just went on from there. Now, those relatives... That you mm-hmm. were dancing with, were they in strip clubs? Yes, they was either in strip clubs or doing the street prostitution.
1: Okay, okay. So there's that, that grooming element in yes. there. So when did you
0: graduate from that to actually somebody paying you to dance? So um, when I got to middle school, I was about in the eighth grade, me and my friends, I would always go over their houses like um, on Fridays mm-hmm. after school. And my mom would never know what we'd be doing. We would usually, that's my escape. I'm going by my friend's house after school. And when I go by my friend's house, her parents really don't care what they doing. There's no set curfew, no one checking for them. We go out to the parties. It was a lot of house parties on the east side. So we would go to the house party, and as we dance and stuff, they'd be throwing like ones and fives and stuff. So I said, Just for dancing, this is what I do in the mirror for free. So right, I was right. like, I could get some money from doing this. It was just, it just made me happy. It made me feel good. I was always comfortable with my skin, with myself, with my dance moves. I was really passionate about it. I was the uh, cheerleading team uh, captain. I was always a leader in dancing. We used to do street battles and things. So I said, I could get paid for this too. Right. Ain't nobody tell me that. (laughs) I'm finna get some money.
1: Right. And I guess, you know, with all that attention, you felt appreciated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So this is middle school. Mm -hmm. All right. So now you're getting older.
0: Where did the strip club come in for you? So I had older friends I used to hang with, always five, six, seven years older than me. They were already a part of the game. And what I would do is, like, what y'all doing? It was impressive to me. It was like, y'all got to get all dressed up like this, looking like a doll to go dress, um, to go dance. I want to go do that, too. What y'all finna do? How y'all do it? So after a while, sitting around from family members, friends, mm-hmm. other people in the street, just seeing how they move and they operate, it's like, I want to try that. And it got to a point where I tried it. Okay. So it was normal. Very normal. Yeah. All right. Then you go into a strip club. Mm-hmm. How old? My first strip club experience was 17 years old. 17. hmm How was that? Uh, it wasn't scary because I did it on the streets. I did it at little parties and, you know, around the house. So for me, it was like, you mean tell me I can go dance in front of some people and get some money? I'm finna go do this. I was just, I had it in my mind Mm -hmm. that I was going to do it and I went to go do it. Um, the first experience that I had when the music came on, they was like, you ain't scared. Uh uh, I've been practicing this (laughs) it was like a role in a movie like and now it's time to go do it just the audition right at the audition they hired me
1: wow wow Mm -hmm. so how is that because when you did it were there a lot of customers
0: yeah it was a lot of probably about 15 or 20 customers in there
1: all right now how did they make you feel
0: It made me feel good, appreciated. It was like a sense of attention I didn't get before, especially like my biological father was in jail. My stepfather raised me. I didn't have the attention from my father like I wanted and Mm -hmm. I needed. Um, And that's just like, like I said, I would dance and get some money. That made me feel appreciated. Like I was doing something to make somebody else happy. Right. And that's all I wanted to do. All right. So your dancing
1: is fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you don't sound like you were nervous. Oh, no. Yeah, right at home with it mm-hmm. because you'd already done it before. Mm-hmm. All right, as the years go by, is it mm-hmm. still fun?
0: As the years went on, um, I, was, I had my first child. It didn't become fun so much because the same people I usually would go dance with or hang around with got addicted to drugs, alcohol, mm-hmm. and pimps. So for me, it wasn't so fun no more because usually we could go in a club. I need to make $500. And now they $500 that they want to make is for a pimp. They $500 they want to make is for drugs. And I couldn't relate to that. In the beginning, we can relate. We all liked it to dance. We all liked it to have fun. We all liked the music. We all wanted attention. But at this time, it was no more intention is the attention that they got was for drugs. attention that they was receiving was from a pimp. Mm -hmm. And I can relate to that.
1: You know, the topic of
0: this discussion is
1: a thin line between dancing and sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. I see it from what you're saying, Mm -hmm. that thin line. How did they end up? Because when they started, you said everybody was doing it together, Mm -hmm. getting a little money, having fun. And somewhere in there, they took that step into that Mm -hmm. being with a pimp. How did that come about? Is it the pimp or sex trafficker? Is that a customer? Is that someone within the strip club? Where do these people come from? It
0: could be the next door neighbor. Uh, It's like the best man will win. Someone will come, get into their ear, say, hey... Let me help you get some more money. Let me help you be your manager. They use the term now is manager. Mm -hmm. So let me help you manage your money, manage what you're doing so you can have a bodyguard or feel safe, feel protected. I always felt protected, so I didn't need a bodyguard. I didn't need a manager. What was they going to do? The difference between me when I look back and some of the people that I hung with, I was always strong minded and strong will. I had my mind set on something, I was gonna do it. Mm-hmm. They well, I don't know, I wanna go to this club. No, I'm finna go to this club because this where the money is. I ain't finna go no other. I I just had a plan and I stuck to it. Okay. They would get down to a plan and change it.
1: Okay. So they were easily persuaded by yes. somebody else coming in. Mm-hmm offering them more, mm-hmm. did they, Did you know, these people who would come into their ear, did they say things like, um, besides, I'll manage you, I will help you maybe act or model? Oh, or, it was a it-
0: big modeling scheme at this time. This is around um, 2009, 2011. Uh, it was some Milwaukee people that would say, oh, I got a modeling um, agency. You can come model, but really it's for a sex track. It was just like something that was hidden. Right. And they trying to use the term modeling because everybody want to be a model. Mm-hmm. Everybody want to be a rapper. Everybody want to do, be a singer at this time. So they will use that to get the girls' attention, to trap them in so they could start taking flicks of them and different things. I learned that really quick and early because it was always gang, but... For me, when you born and raised in a game, mm-hmm. it ain't nothing that somebody could bring to you and say to you. Some of these girls at home had good fathers at home, had positive male role models, but no one told them about the streets.
1: Wow, that's a good point. Yeah,
0: because everybody thinks the people who fall into this did not have that. Oh, no. But it sounds like. They just didn't have the knowledge. Yeah. Like me, I had a father at home. I had a wonderful guy, uh, grandfather that took care of me. But when it come down to the street, if you ain't from the street or you ain't cut for the street, mm-hmm. you ain't going to know what to do in the streets. Wow. So when they, the person is in their ear
1: and the person says, I can do this for you. You can be this. You make And money. it's
0: easy. Like, I can provide you a shelter. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do it because they're they homeless. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do it because they don't have a car. A lot of people do it because they don't have a job. Different things. So I can get you some more money outside of so this. I can get you a house. I can get you a car. Don't worry about getting there. I can get you there. Different things like that.
1: Now, did they realize at that time that sex was involved in this? Did they uh, already assume it or they no. didn't know?
0: They, oh, he liked me. Oh, he want to take me shopping. He want to do this. He want to do that for me. It ain't nothing. He don't want nothing from me. And mm-hmm. easily it was they was tricked. Once you got him in a car, once you got him on your team, it's hard getting out. Wow. So did you hear the the sad stories? Afterwards? Definitely. I could tell by the way that they would look. They would go from looking so dialed up to now like, OK, is you a street worker now? Because this wasn't you. This not the same friend that I know of. This not the same girl I originally met years ago. Right, right. So their appearance would start changing. Everything would start changing. Now they go from needing weed to needing crack cocaine. Oh, wow. Now they would go from drinking, you know, wine to now they need skull Vodka or Taco Vodka. Much harder things. Mm-hmm. And so I knew the game had changed at that point.
1: Now, I read somewhere where some can't say all, um, that some strip club owners liked working with sex traffickers Mm -hmm. because the sex trafficker would make sure that the girl was there all the time, time, Mm -hmm. you know, on time. and Guaranteed. Guaranteed.
0: No problems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is that pretty much a... What you saw? Yes, that's just like, to me, a staffing agency. I could guarantee you these people will get to work because we're going to provide the transportation. We'll take the money out they check. For me, the sex trafficker do the same thing. I'm going to guarantee you that she's going to get to this job, she's going to work, and I'm going to pick her up afterwards. See, I didn't need that because when I got in the game, I already had it. So I didn't need help with these type of things. I don't need a house. I got my own house. I don't need a car. I got my own. These are some of the things that the other young ladies Mm lack. I don't need a pimp or a manager, like I said when we spoke. Yeah. I had We Energy, my kids, food. I had real (laughs) responsibilities pimping me that I didn't need one.
1: Right. When you told me that,
0: that made me laugh.
1: (laughs) I had... You know, you were saying, I have my own pimp. And I thought, pimp? And you were mm-hmm. like,
0: yeah, We Energies, you know. Yeah, the landlord, yeah, right. my kids, real responsibilities. So that was the different. It's the same thing because they was pimping me like uh, FICA and Medicaid, different <laughs> things. I had pimps and didn't even even met them before. Like, at least I know who We Energy is. Right, right. But who was FICA? Who was Medicaid? <laughs> you know, I didn't understand that at that point. Right.
1: Wow, this journey has been long and eye-opening for you. Yes. But fortunately, you already had the smarts to avoid some of the traps that Mm -hmm. a lot of girls fall into.
0: Yes, because I had a praying grandmother. Yeah. A praying grandmother. And not only that, like I said from the beginning, I had a plan. My plan was to get in the game, get all I can get, and get out. Mm -hmm. And I did Exactly that. I stuck to my plan. Because sometimes when you make one bad move, oh, I need some extra money. Well, what you going to do for some extra money? I'm not going to your hotel. I'm not turning a trip for. I'm not finna ride in a car with you. I'm saying whatever we can't do in this club, we don't need to do. But unfortunately, some young girls or some girls, period, or women, they need to make more mm-hmm. because of that pimp. They need to make more because of them drugs, that alcohol. I was already comfortable because I didn't have a addiction. I didn't need a pimp, I didn't need a manager, I didn't need extra drugs and things like that to make me do what I I did it cuz that's what I love to do. Right. But unfortunately, everybody don't have that same mindset.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um I wanted when we come back, I want to
1: talk a little bit more about this and how you got out, how you're helping other people. Um Your story is fascinating to me, and we have so much more to talk about. I hope you are enjoying what Bianca Williams is telling us, and she's very transparent, and boy, do we appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Again, I invite you, if you have questions, comments, send them our way. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The 411 Live, your link to information. And now, here's your food for thought. Who's ever wanted to be a pimp? The sad truth is... Pimp is not all money and glamour, there's a cost. The cost of young men and women you steal from their homes, screaming children you take from their mothers, selling them off to go make money, just so you can spend, have you no shame. They are people, people you are forcing to do as you tell them, where to go and who to lay with. As you sit and count your money, it's so sweet to you. The thought never crosses your mind, what if that was my child, my son, my daughter. You don't stop and think about them to you, they're a product, waiting to be bought and rented. You care little for them. You risk prison, risk death. Because of what? Money? You would be killed for money. Shame, you would go to prison. Give your life away for money, not me. Or rather give it for my family. Protecting my kids from you. Who wants to be a parent? Knowing all you must give up for money, would you still say yes? For more information, visit the411live.org. Parents, it's time we opened our eyes to a huge issue happening right in front of our faces here in Milwaukee. That issue is sex trafficking. We might think this would never happen to us or even our friends and family, but it's actually closer than you think. Traffickers are targeting our youth and finding people who seem vulnerable. They do this just to take the innocence they have away from them. Sex trafficking is a non-stop growing issue in Milwaukee and that's why we need to come together and get educated about sex trafficking. Let's keep our family, friends, and youth safe in Milwaukee and open our eyes to the signs of sex trafficking. For more information, visit the411live.org. Welcome back. I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is The 411 Live. Real people, real talk. We are continuing our conversation with Bianca Williams, who is an entrepreneur, uh, founder of a nonprofit, Cry for Help. And we were talking about her life in um, strip clubs. One thing that I wanted to ask you about dealing with the strip clubs, I I, I mean, you're smart and you avoided a lot of traps. I was just wondering, when you were in the scene, how young were the girls, some of the girls that you saw dancing?
0: Um, I remember being 17 years old and it was already 14, 15 year old girls in the game because they was already groomed. And sometimes, you know, different actors, we develop differently. So I used to be mm-hmm. like, she a baby. I know I'm a baby, but a baby can recognize another baby. Right, right. And so the drugs had got so bad that you'd be like, you can't be 15. You can't be 16 years old. But they had already been in the game two and three years prior to me coming to the strip club.
1: That young. hmm Wow. Now that that's... That's heartbreaking.
0: Mm -hmm. And at this time, a lot of girls was coming from, like, up north doing it. Mm -hmm. They would be at grandma's for the summer, and grandma would be thinking they in the bed, or they sleep, or they at a friend's house, and the whole time they at a strip club.
1: Now, would they typically, in doing that, would they typically be under a pimp or just some friends that come on go?
0: Okay. I would say a little bit of both, but majority friends. They was soccer team friends, just like next-door neighbors, just regular people. Wow. You got out at what age? I got out at 21. What made you get out? What happened with me that was life-changing was I found out that I was having my first daughter a few months later. Um, I got out February 1st. and You remember the day? Yeah, February 1st. And to me, it was like... I didn't want my little daughter to see me or know that I ever was in this lifestyle. Because when I was growing up, my family wasn't ashamed of nothing. If I'm an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic. If I'm a drug user, I'm a drug user. And I just didn't want to continue to have that generational curse over my kids. Wow. Getting out, was that easy? No, I I, I actually battled that for a whole year. Mm Mm-hmm. 2011 to 2012, I said, well, I want to get out, but the money was so good. You know, to me, it was like, what else can I do? I had I worked a job. I was assistant manager at Family Dollars. And that's what I would do Monday through Friday. Friday through Sunday, I'm at the strip club. Okay. Sunday, I come home, get my kids prepared for uh, school, do what I need to do and get ready for work. But for me, it's like, what else can I do that could generate that type of money? And I still wanted to talk to people. I still wanted to work in customer service because I was always good at it. Mm -hmm. That was a struggle for me because there was really no other field that I can go into that make that type of money. Right. That will be flexible with my hours as a, a young parent. And I can still talk to and work with women, girls, and people. Right. Right. At that time, there was nothing I can do. You
1: talk about the money. The money was good. What
0: What kind of money are we talking about? Oh, uh, you can make five to a thousand dollars a day. In one day? And depending on the clubs mm-hmm. and depending on you and what you do, how you do it, possibly more if you did outside things outside the clubs.
1: Okay. Now, when you say outside the clubs. Does that mean sex or that? Like
0: sex and turning tricks mm-hmm. and, you know, different things like that. Working, walking the streets. Okay. Things like that.
1: Those are things you did not do. No,
0: okay. I didn't have to do that, unfortunately. But, you know, you got proposition like, hey, can I give you extra $500 I'm for sure. a private dance or for, for you to come t- back to my house or my hotel? Oh, yeah. Those was every day. Those mm-hmm. was regular talks.
1: Mm-hmm. The men,
0: the clientele, Diverse? Diverse, different career fields, regular people, uh, married men, firefighters, policemen, just regular people. And you mm-hmm. was like, you have a family. You mentioned your family. What makes you come to places like this? Well, my wife, she's fat now, she's lazy, she doesn't you know, have these yeah. type of conversation and be like wow, I never want to be on the other side of it. Like, I become a wife, and to find out that my husband is right. in a strip club, that would be a big no-no.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. So you get out,
1: you're working at Family Dollar, money is not as plentiful, so but you hang in there. hmm And what, you get another job, or...?
0: No, I had decided that it wasn't going to work for me. I had saved up about $17,000, And this was in February 2012. And it was like, what am I going to do? Well, I ended up filing my taxes and got back a nice amount of change. So I said, well, I need to do something that's going to make me stay out the game. Because it's easy getting Mm -hmm. in, but it's hard to get out. So I battled that for a whole year. And what I decided to do, I want to be a business owner. Now, remind you. I don't come from a business background, a business family. My environment is not business. I didn't know nothing about business. Right. I want to be a homeowner. Well, unfortunately, growing up, we couldn't have a stable, you know, foundation because usually we would get put out due to, you know, not paying the rent, different situations mm-hmm. like that. I don't want my kids to live like that. I decided to buy my first house and start me in business. Start. And how old were you? I was 21. Wow. Okay. So you bought a house yeah, with that 17000 17000 And then I furnished my house. Um, it was actually a duplex. And I had like my grandma and kids downstairs and me and the kids was upstairs. And what I did is I removed the kids from downstairs. We So me and my kids upstairs Now made my group home downstairs with clients. Okay. Tell me about that. It was a good experience because... I was raised by my grandparents. So it was like I love the elderly, the wisdom, the knowledge, that just the care they have for me. It was just like I just loved it. And so what I decided to do, I want to help other people take care of their family members. And ever since then I've been doing that. So the group home was for elderly and disabled clients. Gotcha. Mm-hmm.
1: Gotcha. That's nice.
0: So I will, you know, help them with medication reminders, feed them. Just like Bill, it was, to me, it was like another family member. Yeah. Like, hey, Unc. Hey, TT. Hey, Grandma. And I just love it. So they came as a client, but they were more than clients. They was actually helping me without me knowing at that time that I'm getting over something that I don't never want to go back to. Right, right. And, you know, they bring wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something you can't pay for. That's true. That's
1: true. Um, I know that you also talk to... You know, women and young girls, possibly those who are stripping or, mm-hmm. you know, doing different things. And I'm thinking that, you know, I could talk to these people mm-hmm. and be empathetic, but I don't have that experience. Right. So they would smile at me and listen to me, but in their heads, they're probably thinking, you know, know what you're I, talking I, about. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and that's even like now when I be hearing stories and I'm way out the game now. Um, I be looking, I be like, they really don't know what they talk about. Or sometimes people will go off what they read. Mm -hmm. That's just in the book. But when you actually live that lifestyle, you know, like, the do's and the don'ts to Like, that ain't something you'll do. That ain't something that you'll expose. Like, at a time a few years ago, people thought about putting this stuff on a platform, talking about it was just so bad. No, we need to talk about it because we're losing so many young women Absolutely. and girls and babies to this epidemic that's going on. So some people are like, I'm not comfortable with talking. Well, somebody need to talk about it because if we don't, our next generation will continue to fall into this trap.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Thank you for saying that because mm-hmm. that is what we are all
1: about. We want to expand the conversation and make sure that this is out front and center. Yes. And talking to people like you who mm-hmm. know what they're talking about. Yes. So that's that's being in it. Yeah. So when you approach, I told you how it would mm-hmm. be with me. But when you walk up and you're talking to them, you they may at first think, mm, here's another one. Mm-hmm. But when they realize that you have this experience, can mm-hmm. you even see, sometimes you know, when people change or when the light bulb goes off, you can see a can, nonverbal yeah. change, shift.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm sure you see that. Yeah, and you could tell by the conversation, girl, yeah, that's what I, Oh, my God, you know, that happened to me, too. Yeah. I almost got snatched up by a pimple. Oh, you did? Well, girl, let me tell you what happened to me. And we could just relate on the difference. And it just be like, that could have been me. Yeah. And I would think and I would tell them, like, that's how you know Times have changed. But when I talk to some of these women and girls, I tell them, the game is still the same, but it's different when you're in that club. It's different when you have a pimp. It's different when you got all these addictions, drugs, alcohol, different barriers like that. It makes it even more harder to come out. Yeah. So once I start telling them about that, they would be like, what else I'm going to do? And automatically I go back to 2011 and 12. What getting out of it. What can I do? Where can I go? Who's going to help me?
1: That's the big question, though. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, even the those who are in the game who say, okay, I want to get out. Mm-hmm. Now what? Mm-hmm. For somebody who has taken that step and you know that helps, that, yeah. that's encouragement.
0: It is. And it makes it even more better to say, I'm giving you hope that... I've been there where you are. I have done that, And look at me now. And then when some people hear that I got five kids, they be like, hold on. how? And you ain't doing it no more? And I've been out the game. Yeah. And I haven't returned to the game. Because in this platform, again, we have so many people that was in a game. This is a trigger talking about it. This is a trigger to be able to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to talk about it. I'm comfortable. But two three years later, they may relapse. Two or three months later, they may relapse. Everybody can talk about it at some point, but don't go back out there because Mm -hmm. that's living a lie again. You have not overcame your situation if you continue to go back to the same thing. Right. And I'm so comfortable where I'm at now. I could talk to anybody about it because I feel complete about it. That was my past. And I know I ain't going back, but i like to continue to help other women and girls get out of it. So, you know, that
1: relapse. I mean, they are wondering, okay, how do I make it so
0: that I don't relapse, that I don't go back? Let me tell you, you got to find something that's bigger and greater than you, mm. that you love and care about. To me, it was my kids. From day one, I was always ashamed that my kids would someday hear this story, mm-hmm. that my kids would someday find out that I was, you know, actually in that life before. And some people would be like talking about it. I'm under stress. I'm trying to run away or escape from my problems. And they go pick up a drug. They go back to prostitution because it's an escape route. Right. So trying to stuff it down Mm -hmm. and hide it, that only compounds the problem. Only it's a Band-Aid. Yeah. And pretty soon that Band-Aid going to get old and it's going to come off.
1: So I guess they really need to find people like you, somebody who's gone through it,
0: Mm -hmm. to come alongside them. And stay with them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say, oh, I got a mentor. Or I got a sponsor. I got... No. When I tell you, Ms. Beverly, I have never been to therapy. I have never been with a sponsor, an agency. I found a why within myself that made everything so much bigger and greater in my life. And I prayed a lot.
1: There you go. That That's huge, right? Very huge. Yeah.
0: There are some
1: who probably aren't as strong as you. Mm -hmm. You didn't need that. Mm -hmm. You found it within yourself. But there are some who probably need
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that that other person to be there.
0: And for me, the other person was my kids. Because gotcha, I wasn't gotcha. always strong either. There was many nights that I would be the kids in bed, I ain't cleaned up, I ain't fed them. I would go in my room, turn off my light, and I would hear bells like I would hear in a strip club. Or I would hear music, random music just playing in my head. And I would just immediately say, the devil a
1: lie. <laughs> the
0: devil is a lie. Because to me, that was my calling to go back to the strip club. Yeah. And it's just like, your other you, another you. Like, that. I had the devil and the Lord in my ear, both of them right. talking. Who you going to go with? For me, I'm going to go with the Lord. And the other, the dancing part, the bills or the music that I would hear in my ear, it'd be like, come back to the club. This where the money is. Because maybe it'd be a weak moment in my life. Maybe it'd be uh, a bill is due or I got hit with some unexpected things yep. all at once. So stresses start to play in. And I just immediately say that that was a lie and mm-hmm. I keep it moving. Yeah. And you know, that's important
1: for women who are trying to get out to know. That you're gonna get that
0: call. Oh, that we. call to come back. Oh, yeah, and not even that. But if you change your life, you have to change your circumstances. Mm. You have to change the situations, your household, your environments, your friends. You can't be in this life and get out. And still hang with the same people. You can't be in a life and still go in the same environments because you eventually you're gonna leave yourself right back to it. I had to cut off family, and I knew for me, if I can cut my family off, who is a stranger? Mm. What is the habit? If I can cut the people that, that brought me in this life off, it made it even more easier for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it was a hard decision and it took time. It didn't happen overnight. Like I said, for 12 months I was going back and forth. Well, I ain't gonna dance. Then a couple of weeks, a couple of days later, I get that check from Family Dollars. I, I'm going dancing. <laughs> <laughs> FICA yeah. and Medicaid, they pimping me. That like I said, no one taught me about financial literacy. So who is FICA? Who is Medicaid? Yeah. Who's unemployment taxes. Where are these people at? I ain't never met them. Taking my money. Taking my money. <laughs> they was pimping me. And to me, it was just like, because I didn't know that or I lacked that understanding mm-hmm. at that time, it made things much harder for me. You want me to get out this life? Where am I going to live? Who's going to take care of me? And something that's going on now, these women got multiple kids. Many are in a system. What about my kids? What about our safety? Because this man, I'm his main breadwinner. He finna come looking for me. Mm. Where am I going to go? Who's going to... I can't go to Sojourner Truth. They they already full. They had capacity. I can't go to the shelter. They ain't got no room. I can't go to family. He gonna come look in there. Where am I going to go? And who's going to pay for it? Right. Right. We
1: need more places. Mm-hmm. You know? Definitely. Where are you going to go? Well, Miss Bianca, I have to tell you, we've run out of time. But, you're so good. Yes. Um, we're going to do a part two. Mm-hmm. So you're going to stick around with me. And we're going to uh, have another part that will air th- the following week and continue this conversation because we have a few more things to talk about. And we have another guest who will join us, who will give us the male perspective. So that'll be interesting as well. So thank you for being so transparent and open. I really appreciate that.
0: Thank you for listening and you guys inviting
1: me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I just want to remind everybody, the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk, it's a nonprofit organization. So if you are so inclined, which we hope you are, we uh, invite you to help us financially because uh, we have a lot of things we want to do. We want to do more of these video podcasts and keep it going. We just completed season one. So I invite you to look at those podcasts and we are in season two and we want to continue to do this because there are a lot of things to talk about. A lot of people who have different perspectives on this topic. So I invite you to go to the 411live.org website. You will find there how you can contribute, how you can help us. We are... um, also, on a lot of platforms, so you can look at all of our episodes. You can find us on, I have to look at my notes because we're everywhere now the YouTube channel, IGTV, Facebook, Twitter, iHeartRadio podcast. Did I leave something out? Somebody tell me. Yeah, did I get them? Okay, so you can find us just about everywhere. And we thank you. The ones who have commented, uh, sent us suggestions, we thank you. And we will definitely take those into consideration because, like I said, there's a lot to talk about. So again, thank you. I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is The 411 Live. Real people, real talk.